Hola, hola, chulas. Hi there. We are experts in intuitive eating for on-again, off-again chronic dieters, and we are here to help you take the guilt and stress out of eating so you can become the first in your family to break the diet cycle, just like we are in our families. We want you to be who you are without food guilt. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, No More Guilt for Melissa and Your Latina Nutritionist for Delina. Are you ready? Let's break the diet cycle. Hey, it's me, Melissa. Before we start, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by No More Guilt with Melissa Landry. What you are about to listen to is not a professional coaching or counseling session. Each episode is a one-time conversation meant for educational purposes. Look, we're dietitians, but we're not your dietitian. Remember that podcasts don't constitute treatment. If you have concerns about your dieting behaviors, seek out guidance from a medical or mental health professional. And if you're looking for the process, support, and focus you need to live life without food guilt, apply for a coaching program from today's sponsor, me. I'm currently enrolling clients into one-to-one programs, group programs, and I recently added a do-it-yourself format, the Ex-Dieter's Guide to No More Guilt. Apply for a program at melissalandrynutrition.com. I'll hope to meet you soon. We are here in the intuitive eating series, continuing to talk about individual skills. And this week is all about fullness. I probably get the most questions, Delina, on this particular skill because everybody wants to master it. Yeah. Yes. I think, yeah. I literally had like an hour conversation about this last night in my group because everybody's like, but I want to know what the right fullness is. I'm like, y'all, <laughs> it's always going to be different. <laughs> I don't have like a sensation to give you of like one fullness is. So I'm yeah. excited to talk about this. I think it comes a little bit from people traveling from diet mindset too. And that's why we enlisted some help today to talk about what it's like to really learn fullness. So today we have one of my ex-dieter members, Suzanne with us, and she's going to chat through all the ins and outs of the fullness skill, how she approached it as a learner. Suzanne, welcome to the pod. Why don't you say hello and introduce yourself? Hi, thanks so much for having me. This is exciting. I found your guys' podcast last year and went back and listened to them all. So this is really cool to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, I'm Suzanne. I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and I am a social worker here and I'm also fat. And that is a kind of new at using that word uh, to describe myself. And since kind of finding this anti-diet, intuitive eating, health at a precise space, I've kind of learned a lot about you know, reclaiming that word as a neutral descriptor and that it describes a lot of my experiences, you know, in the world. So yeah, briefly, I guess I'll, I grew up in an environment that was very entrenched in, in diet culture. Um, and I was the only, you know, fat person in my family. And I also grew up in the mid eighties and nineties, which was super <laughs> diety, as we all know, diet culture was exploding for sure. And I've always been someone who has been in a larger body. I joke sometimes like since birth, uh, which is partially true. I was bigger as a preschooler and elementary school and all of the things until um, adulthood. So as far back as I have memories, I have memories of diet culture really being um, front and center, I guess, and an awareness of, you know, my body being different and bigger and, and what that meant. So I found intuitive eating and health at every size space last year. And I've been super excited about it since and on the journey. So yeah, I'm excited to be here chatting with you guys about it. Okay. Pause to toot 
Suzanne's horn because for someone who had just found this a year ago, I watched her continuously dive deeper and deeper in this journey. And even today at Office Hour, Suzanne, we were talking a little bit about values work. Like you continue to show up to this process and you know, hearing your story, it gives me relief. I'm positive and I've seen it in you that it has given you relief after a lifetime not being able to label and name this stuff. It's just been so yeah. cool to watch you just grow in this intuitive eating world. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a journey for sure, right? I think when you first start, you're like, these are, you know, there's this framework and then you're moving on. But once you kind of are into it, you're like, oh, I'm unpacking a lot of a lot of stuff. So what's under this rock? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. In a very positive way though. So absolutely. And that's the thing I think people avoided for a long time, but then you realize like, okay, wait, when we can label, we can understand, we can heal, we can learn. And you are such an example of that. So thank you for being here. Um, and for sharing a little bit about your background. Awesome. Thank you guys. Okay. Let's talk about fullness. I think coming into this experience, Suzanne, you had a real clear reason why you wanted to learn about intuitive eating overall. Can you tell us about, you know, before we talk about the intricacies of the fullness skill, why did you want to work, learn about skills like fullness, like hunger, like all the other things intuitive eating offers? Yeah, I think that I stumbled upon intuitive eating really at the beginning of the pandemic uh, last year, kind of just stumbled upon it in terms of like podcasts that I found like you guys and other podcasts. And, and as you guys know, too, once you kind of like open that door of like podcasts and books and everything, it's just like a world that I did not know existed. So I had like so many Amazon deliveries at one point, because I was ordering like all of these books, and I was downloading all these podcasts. And I just was like, I need to know, like, what this is like what is this thing is it really for me intuitive eating is very much about intuitive eating is for everyone but it's not like is it though you know so I I was really skeptical for a long time and really was trying to poke holes in it I think just to kind of see like test it out like is this really what they say it is so that was a process that I'm that I'm still kind of learning through a lot of different things right but I think before that I was in a space too where I was kind of like hadn't formally dieted for a while, but wanted to, you know, work on certain health outcomes or cultivate a better relationship with my, you know, my body and food, but didn't really know what the alternative was. Like I thought that the alternative was just kind of doing nothing, you know, well, this is, this is it. I don't, you know, and giving up on yourself and, and giving up on, on health and giving up on, all of the promises that diet culture gives you, right? Diet culture is very alluring and promises you a lot of things. So, so kind of not going back and doing this thing again, which is dieting. The other alternative seemed like just doing nothing, I guess. So when I kind of started getting into this framework, I was just kind of like, this is so different than anything that I had ever heard of before and challenged everything that I knew about health and weight and all of it. Right. So, so I definitely learned, you know, so much about it. And I think that intuitive eating is something that is so nuanced and so individualized. And that's kind of something that I think I'm working through now and kind of like, how does this apply to me in this, in this situation or in a different stage of life or for different people. Right. So kind of like going on that path and, and learning it all is, a lot, I guess, but uh, in a very, in a very positive way. So I just realized that this framework has like, is legit, you know, there's like so many people like you guys and other people in the health, in the healthcare that are talking about this. And there's, there needs to be way more people talking about it, but um, there are certainly a lot of people in that space. So that really reinforced to me that like, this is something 
this is like something that I need to like figure out and, and pay attention to. So, yeah. So I guess I just kind of, once I kind of found it and learned about it, I was just like all in. And, and I think that it's also, there's a big social justice component to it. I think that also really speaks to me and, and my values too. So having that as an add-on was like, you know, just, yeah, I was like, this is a great framework and I need to get in on this. So I'm smiling over here because so many clients talk about this, like, wait, what? This is a thing. Wait, what? There's an advocacy element. Wait, what? I haven't been crazy all these years. Like it's re- it feels really empowering the more you learn. But to the other thing that you're mentioning, Suzanne, like sometimes we're sitting there with stacks of books that is like thick and it feels like text and we've got lives and it's hard to operationalize or come up with like steps to actually begin. So I love how you could normalize that for people like, look, it's okay to do your research. It's okay to collect all this stuff. But at some point, you got to let the rubber hit the pavement and practice it. Otherwise, we're just looking at dusty books and ideas. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's yeah. the that's the challenging part, right? And that's the kind of journey part to put it into practice and realize all these nuances and kind of like ebb and flow with them and figure out what is what you want to take from it, what's going to work from you, uh, you know, for you with it. So, yeah, it's a a lot, but it's a process. It is a process. Absolutely. Yeah. So if folks are feeling like Suzanne, if you're listening, you're like, oh my gosh, uh, you're describing my life. I'm looking at all the books. I have both Melissa and Delina's free downloads and I'm trying to make sense of those. And what's next? We're actually going to hone in on one specific skill. And remember, if this is the first podcast episode you're listening to, maybe go back and start with the other principles, starting with fullness and hyper-focusing on fullness does not make it intuitive eating. So I want to make that caveat as we go through it today. And even still, Suzanne, I'd love to hear a little bit from you, you know, specifically when people talk about learning the fullness skill, a lot of people have a hard time trusting themselves that they actually would, like they don't even step up to the plate because they're going, well, every diet plan I followed has told me when to stop, or I've had some sort of measurement. I've had an external way of knowing. So what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you have any tips for people trying to trust themselves? Is it the hunger fullness scales that are helpful? Like, what would you say is really helpful to begin to feel like you can listen to your fullness if you want to? Yeah, I think just kind of tuning, tuning in in general. And I think that for me, I realized fairly early on in this process that that wasn't, there was a huge disconnect there, like tuning in and like listening to my body was not as easy as it sounded, you know, I'm like, oh, that's really hard because forever, right. It's kind of been taught that, or the narrative out there is that you can't trust your body. Especially if you are in a larger body, you should ascribe to these external rules because you're a problem that needs to be fixed. Right. So tuning in was a very, big uh, struggle. And I think something that I'm still like working on for sure. Um, I did find the hunger and fullness scales um, helpful just in terms of just learning to tune in. Right. I think at first I got really kind of stuck, I think on like the number, like, Oh, I'm kind of a six, but I'm kind of a seven, maybe I'm like a 6.5, you know? And then it's like, okay, I don't think I need to get like that specific, you know, (laughs) I think Melissa, you talked before about like using unpleasant, pleasant and neutral. And so that's something that you can kind of like weave in as well. But I think the hunger and fullness scales were just um, helpful in just doing that, just kind of the practice of like stopping and trying to assess where you're at. So kind of just like bringing you back to your body and tuning in in that way and listening to 
not only listening, but responding in an appropriate way and in a way that that makes sense to you and, and your needs at the time. So yeah, so I did definitely find um, that tool helpful and just kind of the mindfulness practice in general of, am I full? Am I hungry? Where am I at? Right. And then being intentional about how you respond. Yeah. Two parts then. One is the labeling, which the scale can help with. And then the second part is actually responding. Delina, what's your preference when you're working with Julius? Do you like to do this, like the number scales, subjective scales, a little bit of both? So I try to stay away from all of it mm-hmm. <laughs> and just go with like, well, I guess it's a subjective scale with like the uncomfortable or like pleasant or like neutral. I just don't use those words. I'm just like, if it feels yucky, then you don't want to eat till that point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, I feel like I'm always like in teaching like kindergarten mode, like when I used to teach pre-K and I'm just like, go with the feeling. Like use this color wheel to tell me oh. how you feel. <laughs> Like, I'm just like, you, it has to be intentional, right? Like you don't ever want to feel uncomfortable after you eat or, you know, yeah, fullness can feel, you can feel overly full, but it's never like uncomfortable. You know what I mean? And I think that that's what people, that's why people love the number skill. Like I was at an eight and I'm like, what? Like you could also be at a seven. Mm-hmm. You could also be at a nine and not technically be uncomfortable. Like there's so much nuance missed that I feel like using the the number scales and not using like the feelings, it's hard. I love how you described that. You could be at a nine and not be uncomfortable, right? Like, and I think there's the um the quality of it on the pleasant, mm-hmm. unpleasant, neutral, and then the like intensity of it. Yeah. We've all I, I say this all the time. There have been many times in my life where I've been very full and very damn happy about it. Yep. I am not, I am not, I've been level nine. It was chosen. It was, it yep. made sense for me in the moment. Yep. And that's where if we come into this and we only look at fullness, then we can get sort of judgmental of like, oh, it's bad if I'm a nine or an eight or whatever. Not the case at all. Yep. It's, it's just, yep. it's a way of thinking. And you know, it sounds like for Suzanne, like in the beginning, those numbers were helpful for your brain to like tack onto something there. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I do find, and this is something I've been thinking about more recently is the intention behind it, right? Like there are times where maybe you are, there's a big difference between eating past fullness when you're just kind of like have all these external rules and you're just like tapped out and you're just doing it because this is the time that you've allowed yourself to have it or whatever, or eating past fullness in a way that you're like, I'm at this really nice restaurant and I've, we're tasting all these things and I really want this dessert, but I'm kind of full. But in that sense, you're making a decision that's intentional. Like, okay, maybe I'll feel fuller after this. Is that what I want to do right now or not? Right. So, so doing that kind of not demonizing, I guess, the fullness in itself, but kind of like realizing that you're in a conscious process, I guess, with yourself and your body and and the framework. Yeah. And I think that's why I like talking about intent like are you eating with that connection and intent and yeah like if if you if it tastes good if i'm at a good restaurant and they're bringing me food you best believe i'm gonna be eating it you work hard delina <laughs> it's, it's- <laughs> i want to be i want to enjoy the experience right and sometimes when you're in those places like yeah you're but you're happy afterwards now it's completely different like like when you go in hangry and then you like eat to the point where then you have a stomach ache, those are two different scenarios, right? You might be at the same fullness, but they're two different scenarios. So it's about, like you said, Suzanne, like having that, like it's intentional. I don't even think there's another word. Well, in context, like how I, how I hope to feel or want to feel at a restaurant on my birthday, which is Saturday, by the way, (laughs) 
Let, dropping that. Delina already got me a present. Mm-hmm. How I want to feel on that day might be different on Wednesday when I'm about to make a presentation at work, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we have a lot of opportunity to decide and look at trends and patterns. And that's why it's really important if you're going to endeavor on this, you don't tack on to one skill and get obsessed with perfecting it. You actually use it as a tool in a process, in a relationship to yourself, to your body and the world around you. So really, really good points here. So for those listening, if you want to use the scale as something to hold on to, as Suzanne did in the beginning of her journey, go for it. If you want to go kindergarten mode, like Delina's describing, because that feels a little safer, go for it. Make sure you're watching the patterns. That's, I think, going to tell the story. I am thinking a little bit about you, Suzanne, and your journey with fullness now. What would you say was your biggest struggle learning fullness for yourself, especially given your history growing up and, and everything there. What was the hardest part about learning fullness? I think the hardest part was just connecting with myself, right? Like connecting with my body and myself and being able to, to do that in a non-judgmental kind of way. I think that it was something that in my life in terms of like um, what I had learned and and kind of gone through, um, everything was very external in terms of what the rules were and what the rules should be. And so I had these rules, I think, from die culture that I didn't even know I was still hanging on to that were kind of there and like through this exploration and journey have kind of like uncovered. I was someone who was very much like Sunday, especially when I was actively dieting, right? Like Sunday to Friday, I'm going to eat in a very specific way and it's going to you know in a quote-unquote good way and Saturday was a day that I could just like eat anything that I wanted so I was eating all these things that I didn't even want sometimes but it just that's the time that I had allowed myself to do that so really tuning in and listening and being like is that actually what I want right now or am I only doing that because that's what these rules that I had that I'm still hanging on to so that was something that came through tuning in through the mindfulness kind of part of it. But yeah, so that was a challenge to kind of, to even know that I was still hanging on to that stuff, I think. And I think as I go along, I'm, I feel like I'll probably stumble upon more of that stuff that I'm like, oh, I didn't even know I was doing that. So it was really kind of like digging up these rules. Like, are they, where are these rules from? Like, are they serving me? Do I want to, to hang on to them? So yeah, so that was my biggest kind of, I think, difficulty in doing that for sure makes so much sense. And I love how you brought up food rules as something that can block the understanding of the patterns. I don't know if you saw this on our board, someone just realized that like they have a rule about butter and jam, they can't go together. And this is a person who's been working on it for a little, little while now. And she just came to that realization that that was a food rule. She couldn't have those two things together. So it can sometimes take a while to uncover all these little implicit things. Maybe people have said in passing over your life or explicit things that you learned from a diet you were on for a period of time. Really great tip there for anyone listening. If you're finding that fullness is more difficult uh, on the weekend, Suzanne just did the work for you. It's because that was your former cheat time. (laughs) That's, that's probably related. That's so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So being able to, again, it's kind of this kind of curiosity and like compassionate curiosity is a term that I've heard thrown around, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like really examining what your needs are, what these rules were, why are they serving you? Do you want to still be doing that? And yeah, I'm someone who's very curious in nature. And so that was a good task for me, I think, to really kind of put that investigator hat on and, and see like, what are some of these things that I've always 
just carried as truth, right? Like carried as this is the way that it is, right? That's how it always has been. So, so doing this work has, has just been such a mind shift in so many ways. And that's a process in itself just to unlearn and relearn and, and uh, unpack that all, I guess. A separate skill set. And, yeah. and I love the word curiosity here. Many people who have been dieters a long time are black and white thinkers, which is to say you make judgments, <laughs> you make judgments about what's right and wrong and good and bad and success and failure. And so the challenge, the food police skill is one way that intuitive eating addresses that and, and kind of helps work with the fullness skill. So it's really not just one thing. And Suzanne, again, I'm just so impressed hearing you, how you integrate all of these different things to be able to connect with yourself. And you're smiling as you tell the story, which makes me feel like, okay, she's, she's getting a groove here around this. Like it feels good for you to be able to do this now. Yeah, totally. And I think that it's, it is kind of when you get to, you know, I think recently too, I've been trying to explain intuitive eating to people who have never heard of it. And it's like really hard because it's not really like a hard framework, but I think it's just so nuanced and it's, there's so much gray area. Like it's just, it's very individualized and it also just kind of goes against everything we've ever been taught. So it is so much kind of learning and this kind of journey that you're on of uncovering all these things. So if you know, you know, that's what it is. If you know, you know, so true. All right. So one thing that I think a lot of people get tripped up on is like whether or not they should be distracted while eating. TBH, to be honest, it is 2021. We are all in and out of pandemic life, like Zoom, we've got phones. You may have family members that are also introducing media. It is really hard to have an undistracted moment nowadays. What has been your thoughts on distraction and connecting to yourself while you eat, because on the one hand, it can block us, but the other hand, no distractions at all can feel really weird and awkward and get in the way for different reasons. So what's been your take on that, Suzanne? Yeah, I think that at first I had, again, this is kind of when you get more into the work, you kind of feel out all these nuances. But at first I had this idea of like, that this meant that like every eating experience had to be like a magical, mindful moment, right? Like I have to sit at the table and I have to like no distractions and smell my food and do, you know, and that's a good practice. And that's something that I have practiced before as part of this, but I was like, I'm, that's not something that I'm going to do all the time. Like I can't do that. So, so kind of learning that there are going to be distractions kind of most times. And sometimes, you know, for me often, if it's like dinner, like eat with the TV on or with a podcast. And that's something that even with kind of that distraction, I still am able to tune in and check in with myself kind of throughout. And one thing that I've, I, we talked about at the meetup was, you know, I'm able to like kind of plate, I guess, what normally I know will keep me satisfied or is like a regular quote unquote amount of food that will, that will satisfy me so that I'm not as much just kind of like mindfully eating a bunch of things. So after that, you know, I eat kind of what I've plated for myself, I'm able to assess at that point, like, am I good? You know, do I feel full? Do I want more? Do I not want more? And then proceed from there. So yeah, I think that it, of course, it's ideal to not have distractions in, the, in so many things in life, but that's not where we're at in a, in a lot of places. So, so I think there's room for there's room for all of it, and I think you can be you can kind of practice some gentle kind of tuning in and mindfulness, uh, even with some level of distraction around. Elena, this is what we mean when we say living in the gray. 
Look at this <laughs> chef's kiss example of living in the gray. I mean, like people just want solid answers. And I'm like, y'all <laughs> do the work there for you. You, yeah, do the work. you have to go in and do the work, but it's also so hard. I think a lot of the times doing the work because we don't want to be alone with ourselves to do the work. Mm. That's another hard thing too. It's like actually sitting down and like talking to yourself, mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. connecting to yourself, connecting to sensations, connecting to eating and all of that. So it's, it's hard. I won't eat by myself. I'm like, no, it's, it's really rough. And it's hard for you. Yeah. I don't want to do it. <laughs> it can be challenging. And Suzanne, I know you live with yourself, so you don't have the choice, but to eat with yourself. And that has been something that you have really had to think about is like, I want to enjoy my meals. I want to feel like I'm relaxing and I'm connecting. And so for a lot of people, like saying, I won't do this until I'm able to perfectly like hone in and have this like monk silent moment with my food that might mean never getting the skills at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's kind of where it can get tricky. When I kind of very first got introduced or like whatever stumbled upon this world, I remember people saying like, to be cautious that to not kind of try to turn this into a diet. I was like, I don't really know what that means. And I feel like the more that you get into it, you're like, oh, I think some people can take this. Okay, I've left the diet world and those rules. Now I have these 10 principles and these are my new rules that I need to follow. And if I don't follow it, I'm bad. And, uh, you know, it's so kind of lifting that and kind of working in the, the gray area and the nuance is really what intuitive eating is about. And it's flexible and compassionate and, and all of those things. So, so yeah, I think it's a, it is just a, such a gray area for sure. Just got to get started. And that really is, I think, one of the big takeaways I'm hearing from your story, Suzanne, is that if you have found this way and you're going, hmm, this sounds really good to me, this sounds really aligned with my values, do not let perfectionism get in the way of you just taking little steps. You know, Suzanne is talking from a year of experience. Um, You've been with the ex-dieters for three months. I know prior to that, you were doing some of the work on your own. And so just for context, Suzanne didn't roll out of bed one day and (laughs) just become a master of fullness. She has done a lot of um, iterating. And I just want to congratulate you on that, Suzanne. It's so cool to hear the process. Thanks. Yeah. It's something that as you go through, you realize like you do need support of some kind, whether that's, you know, a registered dietitian who is uh, haze aligned or, or a therapist who's haze aligned or a community, right. Um, Of people who are going through similar things, because it is a very unique thing, I guess. And I don't know anyone personally who's kind of like embarked on this, this journey. So, and, you know, I've cultivated my, my life in some ways in terms of like Instagram, you know, the, the people I follow on social media and podcasts and books that I read into this, like, anti-diet, intuitive eating, you know, health at every size space. But when I leave that space, I'm back into society that it, that doesn't have those, those same values, I guess. So creating a space um, of support and of community is super helpful going along. And just to help you kind of like figure out all of these nuances and what's going to work for you and what works for other people. And Totally. And I have to say, you help make our space great. And that's the other thing that I love is watching, especially for you who is more social justice aligned. I know it means a lot to you to be able to connect with other women and offer your example too. So it's just, it's like a win, 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 win situation. There's so many wins nested in this when we come together. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It's great to have community. 
Any final takeaways for our listeners around fullness? What would maybe be your one thing you would want to impart on someone who said, you know, I really want to connect with my fullness. Help me, Suzanne. (laughs) Yeah, I think that it is, it doesn't have to be kind of really complicated, I think, or this kind of all or nothing thing. And I think knowing that intuitive eating, I think is like a practice, right? It's like, it's not like you're doing something right or wrong. There are times where maybe you will make a certain choice and maybe you'll later you'll be like, mm, you're, you're just collecting data, right? Um, and seeing how did this affect me and how do I want to move forward next time? Maybe next time I'll make a different choice. Maybe I won't. So allowing that compassionate curiosity and just being kind to yourself kind of within this process, I think is just like really important because it's easy to not do that and then get on this train where it's like, oh, I can't even do intuitive eating. Like I, you know, and kind of just get really stuck. Right. So I think just knowing that this is not like a one day, you're just going to like figure it all out. Like this is really, you know, a journey and something that you practice and you keep practicing and it's part of your life. That feels so nice. Like a little bubble bath or something. It's like, oh, that's that I can do that. I can do. I can pay attention. I can be kind to myself. I can take it one step at a time. It's great advice, Suzanne. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I have to thank you for your time being such a great part of our community. I feel so lucky to have known you and introduced you to Delina. Now we're all connected. So exciting. Suzanne, thanks again for being on the podcast and sharing your story. Thanks so much for having me. This was really cool. I'm so glad to, uh, to chat with you guys about this today. Awesome. Take care. Bye everybody. Bye. I am so grateful whenever our clients can come on and share their experience. Suzanne, I just loved her perspective so much. Yeah, she was so great. And she was just so like calm. I feel like I wish people could like watch the video and watch how like she just like articulated so very well (laughs) what we were talking about. (laughs) That's the cool thing. Like when you, I think before people enter programs, they're very much in their own head. They're like scrolling Instagram. Like one person said this, one person said this, one person said this. And I've been able to watch Suzanne like over the past couple of months, get clearer and clearer on what matters to her. What's her philosophy. That confidence came from having a space to get her questions answered and like not try to sort it out all on her own. So I, I'm just, she's awesome. She's awesome. And I think the tips that she offered were really helpful because fullness is just one of those skills that can get a little diety if you're not careful. So buddy. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we talked a lot you know, in in groups and stuff together, when you live by yourself or you eat by yourself, I think fullness and anti-distraction messages can be kind of harsh. Like even if you don't live by yourself, like eating alone can feel really distressing for some people. And to tell people like, look, you have to like sit in the kitchen, no devices, no sounds. It's a far leap in the 2021 society. So I was happy we got to talk a little bit about how to reduce distraction without being like too rigid with that. Cause it's yeah. not always yeah. helpful. It's such a scary thing. I feel like that's what scares my clients the most. It's like, Oh, I have to eat undistracted. Mm-hmm. Like, 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 yeah, but like, not like alone, alone, you know, just yeah. like yeah. develop the skill, you know, and find, find what's right for you. Some people like that. I mean, eventually some people do like full mindfulness. Some people mm-hmm. don't. Yeah. Really, we just want people to find how these skills make sense for them. The book, us, we're offering you an idea and we collaborate. You decide what parts you like and what you don't. So yeah, totally, totally. 
Well, I appreciated this episode. I'm excited to keep going with the intuitive eating series. Uh, I think that's a wrap on today. What do you think? I think it is. I think we (laughs) hit the nail. See, what are these things that you always say? Hit the nail on the head. head. Yeah, there you go. I'm trying to be like you and throw these out there because I don't know them. Did you see? I put on stories if people knew what hot to trot was. You know, you confuse me so much. For some context, you guys, I don't know what is wrong with me. I absorb all of these random phrases that I hear maybe as a kid or in movies or something. And even my husband's like, who says that phrase anymore? I don't, I don't know any of these. I grew up watching Univision, Cristina, Sábado Gigante, Laura, Señorita Laura. Like, I don't know any of this. Well, it makes me a little bit cautious because like, you're like, oh, is that like a phrase I should be using? And I'm like, no, <laughs> this is not something that many, many people say. But to validate myself, I did ask my Instagram audience if they at least heard of the phrase hot to trot. And several people said that they used it and it was used in the show New Girl, which I know you love, Delina. No, I do. But when? Who said it? Nick, probably. Nick? He's hot to trot. Okay. I don't know. Anyway. No, I feel like... I don't know, whatever, whatever. Well, people need to, if you if you hear me use my weird phrases, you know, just, just work you with me. If you hear me laugh in the background, it is what it is. Because <laughs> if I'm laughing, it's because I don't know what it is. <laughs> She's just smiling through it. Okay, Melissa. <laughs> <I'm> here. <laughs> well, I appreciate that unconditional support you give me. <laughs> All right. Well, if y'all want to go ahead and leave a review on today's episode, be honest with us. Tell us, what are you liking? What are you not liking? You know, we read this stuff and we continue to evolve the podcast to help it serve you. We appreciate you spending, what, like 20 minutes, half hour, sometimes 45 minutes with us. us. Thank you for being here. And we will see you on the next episode. We'll see you on Instagram. Um, Have fun with us. Peace, love, and break the diet cycle.